You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Good evening, everybody. Um, I usually say my name is Nick, but I think everybody here knows that my name is Nick. But I bet you that not everybody here knows that that's just my second name, my middle name. Jesse busted me and had to broadcast it on the entire street one morning because, uh, yeah, he saw, he saw a form with my name, and my name is actually Cameron. So you have permission to call me that if you want. I probably won't answer because I'm not used to using that name. But, but anyway, my name's Nick, and I'm here to, I'm here to open up the Bible with you guys. And, and to teach it, but also to explain, why are we doing this? Why are we here on a Friday night? Well, Brian and I sat down, we talked about that for quite a while, and we wanted to be just like really super more religious than everybody else, because Friday night is actually when the Jews begin their Sabbath. So, but that wasn't the real reason, but we thought it was cool when we kind of came across that correlation. Um, we were doing this because we realized Sunday doesn't always work for people. And you probably know that. There's probably some people that you've wanted to invite to church and, and they haven't been able to come and worship with you because Sunday's just not a, a day that works for them. We also do this because we believe that there are people that don't think that, that Christianity is just a show up and punch a clock or punch your ticket kind of thing. It's, it's something where you want to grow and you want to really just to get, get deeper in your relationship. And, and we believe that because, because we know that's something we need too. Brian and I both recognize that need. We also believe that um, that people are tired of loneliness. This, this overly, uberly connected society and culture that we live in is actually one of the loneliest cultures uh, that we've ever known, or loneliest generation even. And, uh, and we want to have an answer for that. And that's why you're sitting at tables and talking with each other while at church. Wow, go figure. So, uh, and we believe we need that because both Ryan and I know that's something we both need as well. And then the other thing is, is I bet you guys had a crazy week. I bet your week was just kind of one of those crazy weeks. Will's going, no, because Will doesn't have crazy weeks, because Will's scared of crazy, you know, because once crazy comes, well, then there's crazy Will. <laughs> but, but I had one of those weeks. I don't want you to think that Brian are up here going, man, enter into refuge and rest, because we're some kind of gurus that have figured out how to slow down. No, we, we get whacked around by this world just as much as anybody else. And I need to enter into a place where I can say, man, I just I just want to worship. I just want to stop for a minute and remember who God is and remember who I am in a relationship with Him and, and go into a weekend where I'm actually beginning to rest instead of just running, 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 running and all that kind of thing. So that's why we do this on Friday nights. And then we do this. We open up God's Word, Psalm 32. Uh, Bibles are at the table or you can open up your app, whichever works best for you. 
And uh, we take a look at some poems that were written. Psalms are songs. Um, I like what Brian said on Sunday. They're a prayer language that the Hebrew people used. And uh, we get to kind of engage God. And one of the things that, that is interesting about a few of the Psalms that they, is they have this term Selah. And, uh, and, and, and as much as we know, that just means just stop and take a, take a look at this and think about it for a minute. And so we, we want to do that. As long as we're talking about rest, we want to rest in God's word. So Psalm 32 is where we are at today. Uh, let me start off with this. Here's something that um, maybe, you, maybe you realize now about God. God is the words that are the world's worst hide-and-go-seek player. Okay, you remember playing hide and go seek and that kind of thing? Here's here's why I say that. Because if you're it, right, you're looking, God's the guy that jumps out of the bushes and says, Oh, here I am, you found me, before you even really got after him. Because the Bible says if you search for him, he will be found by you. <laughs> and so he, just, he wants to be found. He wants us to know who he is. And that's a good thing to know when we enter into the Bible. The second reason I say that is because if he's it... It ain't going to matter where you hide, because God's kind of like, ha-ha, I, I can close my eyes and I can see where you're at. All right, Because nothing is hidden from the sight of God. So that makes him a lousy hide-and-go-seek player. And the other reason is, is because if neither of you are it, you're going to find this really cool, comfortable hiding place, and all of a sudden God's going to crawl in there with you and go, hey, I'm hiding in here with you, man. And you're like, dude, get out of my comfort zone. <laughs> okay, Because that's what God does. He comes into our comfort zone. Okay, now, speaking of that, we, we often talk about comfort zones. Um, I want some feedback from the tables now. This is your chance to talk. Um, describe your comfort zone, if you could. All right? So, for example, my wife just had shoulder surgery, and I just built a nest of pillows in our bed around her so that she can somehow comfortably sit with this weird sling thing in her arm and ice on her shoulder and all that kind of thing. And so I've created this comfort zone that involved like 20 pillows and a dog that I couldn't get off the bed. So he's there to comfort her as well. So what makes you comfortable? What is what is the place or the time or the, the elements or whatever that makes you go, huh, yeah, this is comfort for me? Like sitting, uh, sitting in bed watching uh, something, um, eating some dinner, uh, having my wife next to me, and having uh, our dog out of feed. All right, dinner in bed, dinner and movie in a bed. So, it's a, yeah, cheapest date in the world, you know. And then just, <laughs> all right. So that, yeah, that does sound very comfortable. Sally. This is the comfort zone that I like to be sitting on a beach somewhere with a cup of pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So, as soon as you said pumpkin spice latte, a whole bunch of people got uncomfortable. <laughs> so, but that's, that's comfortable. Uh, the beach alone would have been enough to do it for me. Okay, somebody else? Jesse? So, uh, probably uh, sitting in my house, uh, listening to some 90s country music uh, with a beer in hand. And if my family comes and joins me, they have to just sit quietly and listen to me sing along. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everything about that made me uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I was just waiting for you to say, and then I put on my rompers. <laughs> All right, thank you, Jesse. Um, I will never invade your comfort zone. You're, you're, you're safe there. Okay, anybody else, real quick? Any Okay, Andy. I never shift. So my ultimate comfort zone. Um, when I was a very small child, I used to have a okay. I used to have a bunk bed. And what I would do is I would like put blankets and sheets up around the bunk bed and make like a little tent and then I'd drag all of the blankets into my bed and all of my pillows and I'd like put all my stuffed animals in a circle and then I'd like sleep in the circle. <laughs> Alright, so you made a nest. Alright, so yeah, I like that one. That's okay. I thought I saw one more hand, so I was gonna go to it. Matt, okay, Matthew. Not having to do anything that I don't want to do. <laughs> That's my comfort zone. Okay. When you, get to, when you get to not do the stuff you have to do and you don't want to do, yeah, that's a good one. All right, so we all do that. We all kind of create this, this comfort zone for us. And we also do that spiritually as well. And we're going we're gonna to look at a psalm tonight. And I'm sorry, i got to tell you this right now. It's one of those psalms where um, God gets into our comfort zone and really kind of messes our nest up that we've spent all this time making. So uh, let's look at it. I just want to set it up, and then we're going to talk about some of these things. Um, Verses 1 and 2 begin with kind of an introductory statement where David says, uh, How blessed is the one whose rebellious acts are forgiven, whose sin is pardoned. How blessed is the one whose wrongdoing the Lord does not punish. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now that's his, that's his introductory statement to what, what's going to be said through the rest of this psalm. This psalm is called a masculine. Uh, it, it also means a skillful song or a skillfully written song, but most interpreters believe that it's a song of wisdom about skillful living. And so if, if that's something you want to pursue, how to live skillfully, then this is good stuff for us to dig into and to lean into. Because David is gonna, is gonna talk about something very important about how to live a, a skillful life. But first of all, we gotta talk about David. David the sinner. Okay, King David. We, we know a little bit about his story. He's pretty famous for wiping out a giant with a stone when he was just a skinny-armed little freshman or something like that. And uh, he did something nobody else in Israel would do, and that's pretty amazing. And we like David because of that. He did a lot of other pretty awesome things. He was known as a man after God's own heart. He was called the apple of God's eye. Um, he was chosen out of all of his brothers because God says, I see what's in the heart. I don't look on the outward appearance. Again, Makes him lousy hide-and-go-seek player when he's it, because he sees stuff that we're trying to hide. And, and, and he approved of David as, as being king. Now, last week, Jesse made, up, made a pretty good point when he said, well, why does David think that he can, you know, that, that he can say what he's saying here? God, break the teeth of the wicked. What about David? And if you read through 2 Samuel, there's a pretty sorry record of, of David's life. For example... David is guilty of staying home. Doesn't sound like a bad deal, does it? But if you read 2 Samuel chapter 11, that's the one where David, you know, went to bed with a girl he shouldn't have gone to bed with and then killed her husband. Well, the only reason that he was even in that position in the first place is he was supposed to go to war. But instead, he stayed home. And it says it right there in the scripture. Uh, David neglected the duties that he was supposed to do. Um, and, and then I just mentioned something else. He's guilty of adultery. 
he's also guilty of murder. You know, and those are big ones, aren't they? When in, uh, we usually think, as long as I don't do those two things, I'm okay. You know, <laughs> but, but David did them. Uh, he's guilty of neglecting his family. You know, Brian has referred to that at one point where he had a one of his daughters was raped by one of his sons. They were half half sister, half brother, sort of thing, and uh, he kind of stuck his head in the sand over that whole situation. He's very passive as a father. He wouldn't even acknowledge the problem that was in front of him. And that led into all kinds of heartache and heartbreak for him and his his family and his kingdom. Um, David is guilty of trusting in man rather than God. Okay, He numbered the people of Israel, which he was not supposed to do. And what he was doing is he was taking stock of his resources and he was, he was saying, okay, I can, I, I, I can make it in life because of this instead of God. And uh, this is a big one, and this one kind of sneaks up on us. When he was confronted by a friend um, about this adultery and murder issue that was in his life, this friend said, you have despised the word of God. So set aside everything else that he did. Why did he probably do some of the things that he did? It's because he, he just took God's word lightly. He, he didn't think it counted for him. Now, that, that does not look so good, does it? <laughs> but, but I want to make a point here in this introduction. There were four words, and if you look back at the scripture, they might be a little bit different depending on the versions that we have here. There's four words that are being used. Uh, one is rebellious acts. Another one is sin. The other one is wrongdoing. And the other one is deceit. Uh, in, in the NET version, anyway, it has those words. And whenever you see four words kind of describing the same concept, it's always good to pay attention to what those words mean. So I dug a little bit deeper, and I looked for the, the Hebrew in that. And, and this is what I found out, that what David is saying when he's talking about blessed or is the one who's had this forgiven. He's talking about any, any kind of revolt against God's character or God's word. Any, any kind of attitude or action or speech that is actually a revolt against who God is or what he has said. Uh, when he talks about uh, sin, that was rebellion. When he talked about sin, the, the Hebrew word there is any offense against God's standards. Okay, and, and when you read the Bible, it doesn't take very long to see what God's standards are. And, 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 and how easy it is to fall short of them. And, and then when he talked about wrongdoing, the Hebrew word there is any kind of perversity or corruption... Of God's image. You know, think about that one. We were created in God's image, and the simplest way I can think to explain what that means is that we were created to be reflections of God. And if anything mars that image, they don't see God, they see a distortion. And then he talked about uh, in whose spirit there is no deceit. And that one threw me for a little bit because I thought it was all about being an honest person and everything like that. But, but really the Hebrew word there presents this idea that there is no omission of God's rightful demands. And then I thought, oh, how many times have I read scripture and I, and I, I know what God wants, but I go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that one later or I'll let somebody else I'll let somebody else handle that one. I'm not really wired for that. So it's not just sins of commission that, that David's talking about. He's talking about sins of omission. So we started off talking about David the sinner. Now we're talking about me, the sinner. Because I'm just as guilty as David. Now here's something else we have to keep in mind too. David's spiritual life was probably a lot like ours. 
Now, you sat at the table, and we're, we're not going to miss words anymore about what you did when you talked about your high points and low points. We call them happy crappies. Okay, that's what they are. All right, we'll get that out of the way. And we have happy crappies in our spiritual walks, don't we? We have days that it seems like we're doing really good, and then we have days that are like, man, it's, it's just not so good. And, and David reflects that for us. I think that's why his story is in the Bible for us. And then we get into the rest of the psalm. That kind of helps us to go, how do we balance that out and how do we work that out? So let's take it. Let's, let's take a look at it, verses 3 and 4. The first Selah, I'm going to read it. And then to, at your table, I want you to talk a little bit about what you see in that passage or what you heard me read. Okay? David says in verse 3, When I refused to confess my sin, my whole body wasted away. While I groaned in pain all day long, for day and night you tormented me. You tried to destroy me in the intense heat of summer. Selah. Okay, so pause, look at that, and what do you guys see? Talk about that amongst yourselves at the table. I'll give you a couple minutes for that. What do you see in that passage? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Okay, I'm going to cut you off because uh, we can't exhaust our time here. Uh, but you had a little chance to kind of look together and then talk together. And now uh, give me a little bit of a report. What was something that you saw in that passage? Okay, you is saw there... Absolutely, and that's what we're looking for. Is well, how does this? How, how is this relevant to my life? And yeah, definitely times when I know better, also, but I choose uh, to be silent. Groaning, I actually took the definition of that, and one of them is actually to make a little creaking or moaning sound when pressure or weight is applied. <laughs> okay, that heavy hand yeah. <laughs> is being applied. Okay, good. Anything else? I have maybe, maybe from this side of the room. All right, you guys. Poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> My comfort zone is the table in the back of the room. Go ahead, David. I thought kind of thinking that's up uh, there's uh, where, especially verse 4 where it says, your hand is heavy upon me. You know, pretty much saying, you, you, you God, are doing something directly to me. It made me think of, I think it's in Proverbs where it says, those who would most chases. So, <clears throat> he's acknowledging I'm messing up, and you're you're laying the heat on me until I admit it. Okay. All right. So, okay. Uh, Jonas, real quick. So I real I noticed um, in my version it also said your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was sapped as the heat as in the heat of the summer, um, and I feel like. David was just stuck in one place, not being able to get out. Ooh, man, Jonas, oh, that's so good, man. Good job. Good job. What we see in this passage, basically, is the wreckage of sin. 
And, and, and as Nathan pointed out, David knowingly tried to cover it. He tried to hide it. And the result of this unconfessed sin in his life um, was manifested in a lot of ways. Now here's the thing you've got to remember when you're reading Psalms. You're reading poetry. So you'll be tempted to take a lot of statements very literally when they're really meant to be figuratively uh, expressed to us. So basically what David was saying in that, in that figurative sense there was that his unconfessed sin made him physically ill. It, it ate away at his body even. And we all know that. I think this is something we can relate to. When something's wrong in our relationship with God, it, it can manifest even in our health. Um, he had emotional struggles. This moaning and groaning that was coming out was out of an emotional thing. They just things just weren't right. He, you know, maybe he had a sense of depression or something like that that was really heavy on him. When he talks about that heavy hand, he really does mean that God was like a torment to him. When we are walking in sin of any nature, um, we tend to not like God. We tend to want to run away from God. We tend to view Him not as an appealing thing, but as a tormenting thing. Because maybe we're ashamed, or maybe we fear judgment, and so I'm going the other way, kind of like Jonah did in his story. Um, and then the, the fourth thing that we see in this, and, and man, Jonas, you did a good job of unwrapping that, is basically a spiritual withering. Okay, a spiritual withering, where he was just stuck in his spiritual life. And, and I can't tell you how many times, you know, in my own life and people I've talked to where they've expressed that. I just feel stuck. And the answer is probably some kind of sin that they need to do business with, with God. All right, let's look to the next Selah, and that's verses, uh, verse, or just verse 5. And we have a total turnaround here. Saw what he said in the first part? I refuse to confess. And now in verse 5. So then I confessed my sin. I no longer covered up my wrongdoing. I said, I will confess my rebellious acts to the Lord. And then you forgave my sins. Okay. I don't think we only need a couple minutes for this one, but just take a couple seconds and talk around the table. What what do you see in that passage? What jumped out at you?
Okay, I told you your time would be a little shorter on this one. I'll give you a second while Brian talks to me. Um, I might go queue up a quick little video. Alright, so we'll do the application. I'll give them the final warning from the, from the psalm. And what I'm going to close with was just basically a prayer for my wrap-up. is basically David hiding from God to hiding in God. First John 18, 1, 8 through 10, and then Romans 8, 1. Okay. I got a two-minute uh, video of the same lady about God being close, closer than anything. So I'll go, I'll cue that up. All right. I said we're going to be short on that one, so i got to interrupt you once again. But real quick, some feedback. What What did you see? It just boils, for me, it boils down to one simple word, is acceptance. Personal acceptance of, to yourself, um, of what, great or small, what you did or didn't do. Um, that whatever lies you gave to yourself to justify it are just that. And then in the light of God, you see it for what it is, and then accepting that, and humbling yourself enough to ask forgiveness for it. Okay, yeah, there you go. There's a great definition for confession. It's, it's owning up, really, owning our sin, owning the thing that we did wrong, recognizing it in light of what God says and who God is, and then and then saying, yeah, that was me. I, I own that. That, that. And here's the thing, you know, it's kind of a beautiful thing that happens in this passage. Did you see it? When David accepted his sin and owned up, God accepted David and owned him. And that's, that's, the, that's the big surprise because we don't think God acts that way. We think, oh, he's all wrath, he's all judgment, and all this kind of thing. When really all he's looking for is for us to, to admit what he already knows and, and to get on the same page with him. Okay, uh, Sally? In our group, we talked about it boiling down to the word choice. Um, I know in verse 3, David, David was the one who chose to be silent. And then in verse 5, um, he turned it around chose to acknowledge his sin. So making good choices. Okay, good. And, and, and that's another thing that God does. He allows us to choose. Uh, he gives us the freedom to make some pretty bad choices, but at the same time, he gives us the, the opportunity to reverse those choices and, and to make a good choice. Okay, Colby? Or was that a stretch? Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> so, all right, let's just go ahead and move on to the next one real quick because we're going into a really good direction here. I think you caught the heart of that one. This is a, a transitional thing. What we see here, uh, we're going from the wreckage of sin to the uncovering of sin. David got to a point where he says, you know what, I'm miserable. I'm miserable in the wreckage of my sin. So here it is. I'm going to tell God what what he already knows. And we see repentance when he does that. And we see absolution, <laughs> which which meant that God says, "Hey, I, I, I'm willing to forgive you for those things." Um, I, I, I got to illustrate it with this. I, I had an encounter this this uh, week. It was, it's a tough encounter to talk about. I, a local and respected 
uh, minister in our uh, in the Black Hills area got a hold of me and he says, uh, I have given in to temptation and I have failed morally. And it has affected my wife, my marriage, and I fear it's going to affect my ministry. So I'm reaching out to you. Will you sit down with me and help me to overcome this thing? And the issue is pornography. Okay. And, uh, and he's a beat up man. When I sat down to have lunch with him, he is a very beat up man. And so we talked about steps that we could take and, and, um, and strategies to approach. And he's already on a good road for recovery. And I said, okay, now look, I know you're ashamed, right? I don't want, I don't want you to get up in front of your church and tell everybody in church what you just did because they're probably not going to understand where you're coming from when you do that. But you better start praying now for God to send you some men that you can be honest and open with besides me. I said, you, you need a shield wall around you. And then something happened, which was kind of weird. I thought it was weird anyway. I looked him in the eye and I said, you need to do this because of your struggle, God is going to increase your ministry. He is going to bring young men to you, old men to you, all kinds of men to you who have the same struggle. And you've got to be open and honest about yours with them. Yesterday while I was waiting for my wife, in surgery, I got a text from him. And the text said, a young man just came to my office and asked me to help him walk through his struggle with pornography. See, his unco- being willing to uncover his own sin is actually leading to something for another individual as well. And, and we're going to see that as David goes on. Okay, let's go to the third Selah. And that is verses 6 and 7. Well, actually, let me read this. Here's something from James 5 that I think corresponds to what, what we just talked about there. Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing or let him pray, it says, if he's suffering. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Well, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And that is a great promise. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And, and i got to tell you, there's something in there that, that we don't like. Confess your sins to one another. See, in America, we're very individualized and very privatized, but Christianity has always been a communal relationship. And, uh, and, and we didn't just, you know, I have my walk with God, you have your walk with God, and we'll never know about each other. <laughs> but that wasn't how it worked for Peter and James and John. They knew about each other's warts and failures and everything else. And, and the Bible gives us a clue. It says, just be open with each other. Now, again, that doesn't mean get up in front of the whole church and say, wow, man, I like to whip kids with a wet squirrel or something like that. <laughs> I, had to, I had to think of a weird, some weird random sin because I didn't want anybody to get, feel like I was picking on them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but we should be able to sit down with somebody and say, here's my struggle, here's my struggle, and confess that to them. All right, verses 6 through 7. For this reason, every one of your faithful followers should pray to you while there is a window of opportunity. Certainly, when the surging waters rises, it will not reach them. If you are my hi- or you are my hiding place, you protected me from distress. You surround me with shouts of joy from those celebrating deliverance. Okay, real quick, talk about that verse.
Okay, so I had a really good question on one of the tables, and it really kind of comes down to each table might have a different boom, takeaway from this, and it might be what you just choose to focus in on. And, and of course, we're not going to answer every question here tonight, but but hopefully, you know, it's something that's going to prompt us to look for the answers and keep going after them. But let me ask this question. As you looked at that passage, what was kind of the big takeaway for you, the big idea that, that was jumping out? If, if you were going to kind of sum it up. Yes, all right. We've got more representation from this from, table. From the yeah. I feel like this is kind of the section where David kind of learned his lesson. Was he... Uh, it, it starts with him being upset, things being hard, God's hand being crying, and feels like he's dying and drying up. He confesses, and then after he confesses, this is like a sigh of relief, like, oh my gosh, why, why didn't I do this sooner? I realize how good you are, and how much you give to me, and how much you care, uh, is where he kind of realizes, like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> this, this makes a lot of sense. All right. Okay. Good thought. Hang on to that one. Uh, oh man, Jonas or Jake? Jonas or Jake? I don't think I've heard from Jake yet. So, okay. Um, kind of going back to like uh, the groaning and God's hand and that pressure, and then um, in verse six, um, surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. Like, I think I probably spent more time in water than most people here. <laughs> And I've been in those situations where I'm like, I'm in for my head, and that pressure of water, like, it's scary, and it's powerful. Um, but, like, again, when you, like, when people offer prayer and are willing to offer prayer that, like, protects you, and you're, you're free of that, again, that pressure and that guilt. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Good illustration for the water uh, reference there, too. Okay, Jonas. Anybody else have a takeaway? Okay. Oh, all right. Oh, I'm sorry. I was pointing at Eileen. Okay. I point at you, you will know it. Noah. So, yeah, you settle down and I'll get to you. Okay, Eileen. And that is part of forgiveness. Forgiveness actually includes the concept of release. And uh, and Eileen pointed that out, this freedom. And, and it's a good thing to be reminded of that. Again, why do we why do we need to read our Bibles? There's so much I need to be reminded of. All right, Noah. The thing that I really like about this bit is just how quickly God gives the blessing back on stuff. It's just like, you know, David gives up that forgiveness, and then God 
learning not to give us food, you know, ask for forgiveness, God gives it, and then God, like, takes, starts taking care of them, like, right away. And I don't know. It just kind of paints this picture for me that God's just waiting to bless people in that situation. He's just, you know, waiting for them to step forward so he can take care of them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's a cool thing because, again, we get this, mis, uh, this misrepresentation of God in our heads that he just wants to beat on us, you know, that, okay, I just confessed what I did, and now I'm here for my spanking kind of thing. Well, God knew how beat up David already was from the opening of the psalm, you know. He's not there to beat him up. He's there to heal him and to restore him and to heal him. And it is, oh, what a beautiful thing to be reminded of, of our forgiving, forgiving Father. Okay, Colby. Like with the theme of how to go seek. Like when David's sin was exposed and he was wrestling with that torment, like he comes to the conclusion like God is my hiding place, that is where I belong. Um, I don't belong with the sin anymore. And I love how he says, like, you preserve me from trouble. It's like I really recognize that my my error was the trouble. Like the torment isn't what is trouble. It is living apart from you that is trouble. <laughs> so, all right. Great observations. Really good. So to wrap this one up real quick, this Selah here, um, and, and what we do see here is exactly what Eileen said, is we see the freedom from sin that resulted when David finally fessed up that he had messed up. And again, he's, he's a guy just like any one of us. And what a great process to watch him walk through that and now, one of the things he's free to do is to tell others. And that's what he's doing here. He's beginning to tell others about, now you've got to do this too. And, and that really is our job as Christians. When we find Christ who's willing to pour out his grace and forgiveness on us, then, then it should compel us to say, I, I found this freedom. I want you to find this freedom. And so he gives this warning and says, don't miss this opportunity. And that's echoing out of Hebrews where it says, today is the day of salvation. You know, don't put it off. Um, there's kind of a sense of urgency that David had found and discovered uh, while he was doing this. And he said, and part of the thing is you don't have to fear going under. As Jacob was talking about, man, when the water goes in your waders, it just pulls you down and, and it's cold. And, and, and he says, when, when you're forgiven, you don't have to fear going under anymore. And, and then he says that when, when sin is uncovered, then God moves in and covers and, and Jonas pointed that out there. He talked about that hiding place there. And then did you see that great awakening of joy in David's life? You know, and, and that's, I think, something we all long for. And one of the things that blocks us from experiencing joy individually and communally is that a lot of times we just haven't done business with God about things that he knows about. And we're still trying to hide. Well... The psalm closes with a final warning. I'll let you read that on your own at some point. I just really like it because it's one place in the Bible where it says, don't be an ass, because it says, don't be like the mule who has no understanding. And I love that the, you know, there's pretty point-blank language given to us there. But, but here's what I want to kind of wrap up here, and then we're going to talk about some application points. Did you notice how David went from hiding from God to hiding in God? And, and again, Jonas just nailed that. Um, this psalm shows us the process of a sinner, uh, just like you and me, once hiding from God and through grace being able to hide in God. 
First John 1, 8-10 says, If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You might want to write, write that one down and lean in on that. First John uh, chapter 1, verses 8-10. through 10. And then Romans 1. Boom, here it is. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the rest of that passage goes on to explain how God dealt with our sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and that's how we know we can be forgiven because there's a big old ugly stake in the ground uh, at Calvary uh, where that was dealt with. And that's what we go back to. And if that's something, you know, that, that's something we don't just do once. Uh, it's something we do constantly is go back to that cross. All right, real quick, take a moment at your table and uh, just come up with a couple of things that you can take away and actually do. What can we do based on what we learn? from Psalm 32. Okay, you don't have to come up with a long laundry list, maybe one thing, maybe two things, but uh, just talk amongst yourselves at the table and then we'll get a report. What did you learn from that? What's something that maybe I can benefit from in my own life? What what, what can we do uh, when our life kind of goes wonky like David's did? What's something you came up with? Don't have to give me the whole list, just something from your table. Winner. So it was really interesting because what we had talked about with our happies and crappies is like finding the people to be around and to surround yourself with. 
not only just like in life, but also like like surrounding yourself and surrounding yourself with people in the body of Christ. And that was one of our takeaways is like, not only is this a passage about confessing your sins and being open about it with God, but like you should also be open about it with other people and like surrounding yourself with good people that you can bring this forward to, even with that, like what you're talking about with the, the pastor in Black Hills is like, you find you have to pray and find good people to bring this forward to. So. Yeah, there's a reason God can meet, you know, created the church and community, and part of it is so that we can heal together. I mean, I can't, I can't absolve anybody. I, I can't do that. Um, but you know, I can sure relate when someone talks about a broken issue in their life or something. I can, yeah, I know, I'm broken too. And and we can both together rejoice in the forgiveness that God has has given to us. We need that. We need to find people we can trust. Uh, Winter kept saying, "Find good people," <laughs> and yeah, that's part of it. People that we can trust and that we can sit down and actually openly talk about our ups and downs spiritually uh, in life and pursue God together in that. Okay, Jonas, what, what's a doer that we can have here? Confess your sins. <laughs> oh, there, there it is. Don't keep them in. Don't keep them in. And keep a short list. You know, that's I think what Dave is saying. While there's opportunity, keep a short list. And so make that a regular discipline of, of God. I'm, before I say anything else to you, I, I'm bringing this out to you. All right? Okay, any others? feel drawn that God God wants to forgive me. I'm coming now because this is the time to do that. All right. Well, good stuff. And again, we would we would uh, uh, encourage you continue the conversation. It just doesn't end here. This is a good opportunity to go forth from this place and keep talking about these things and maybe start praying. Who are the who are the people that I can sit down with and and talk about? And maybe it's maybe it's your table. Okay, maybe God put you together tonight for this very purpose, for this very reason. I don't know, I can't say that, I can't dictate that, but I would say go after that. And one of the things I always encourage you to do is keep digging into Psalms. Read Psalm 32 throughout this week. If you want to, come back Sunday and hear another perspective on Psalm 32. I love doing that because I learned so much beyond hearing other voices besides mine. But also turn these Psalms into a prayer because that's what they are, they're prayers. All right? So now that I've said that, I'm going to practice what I preach. Let's pray. And I'm going to pray Psalm 32. Jesus, we truly need to know what it means to be blessed. We, treat, we need to know that. We take that word and we use it so lightly about being blessed. And, and David just laid it on us. Blessed is the one who confesses his sins and finds forgiveness. Lord, we need to know the depth of your grace. And the forgiveness that, that can be realized because of your death in our place at the cross. Jesus, it's hard to be open about our failures because of shame. But in your love, you show us that, that there can be even greater costs when we try to hide it from you. So Jesus, we, we take this opportunity to admit what you already know. 
In this quiet moment, we just lay down the sins of this week, the sins of today, or maybe a sin from way back that we just have never asked your forgiveness for. Lord, we admit that to you now. Jesus, we want to be free and we want to be safe. And the best place to do that is in a relationship with you. So instead of hiding from you, we choose to hide in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. Thing is, sin is like gas. It's not healthy to keep it in, and you get rid. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.